This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. And who knew it's a special day today to celebrate. So happy National Radio Day, everybody. And thank you for spending it with us here on Fight Back. And now we are moving to the dramatic news of the day and a city council meeting, a special Emergency City Council meeting is now underway as the councillors debate what to do about the plan to reduce the number of Toronto City Councillors to 25 from 47. At issue is whether to mount a legal challenge to the new provincial legislation. The city solicitor has said there is no clear path to winning in court because the province has the legal right to do this. If the challenge goes ahead, it would likely be fought on procedural issues. The fact that there was no notice, there was no discussion, no mention of it during the election campaign, and it took effect while the election is already underway. Just as the meeting began, Mayor John Tory announced that he is supporting going ahead with the challenge. Is it a good idea? Is it mostly a piece of political theater? We also saw the mayoral challenger, Jennifer Kiesmack, show up at the meeting. Uh, she said that she did not think that John Tory was fighting hard enough against this. In the meantime, his campaign has sent out a press release saying that she is being an opportunist and she shouldn't be criticizing him because when she left her job, as chief city planner, she said he needs to be given another mandate. So what do you make of all of this? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now we're going to hear from a couple of councillors on both sides of the issue. We have Councillor Justin DiCiano, Ward 5, Etobicoke Lakeshore. He likes the idea of a slimmed-down city councillor. And Councillor Joe Mehevic, Ward 21, St. Paul's, is opposed to the changes on the horizon. Gentlemen, thanks so much for being with us. Good afternoon, Libby. Hi. Good afternoon, Libby. Okay, so let us start with Joe Mehevic. You're opposed to the changes. Do you think a, a court challenge is a good idea? I think a court challenge is an absolutely necessary idea. Uh, if I could draw a comparison, you cannot change the rules of a ball game uh, at uh, halftime. You have to change it either beforehand or afterwards. Uh, as you said in your introduction, that's going to be the basis of our 
legal challenge. Uh, I think what's offending uh, Torontonians is that despite all the claims of us being a mature order of government and we after going through a two-year process of deciding 47 wards, it going to the OMB, it being successfully defended at the OMB, uh, we went and it was done by a third-party consultant that wasn't politically driven, there was no gerrymandering, that that process so quickly was disrespected and done without any consultation or knowledge of by the by the city, which is against the City of Toronto Act. So our argument is going to be essentially, this is a violation of every sense of fair play and process. Now, you know, maybe 25 is the right answer, and that's something that can be considered in between elections before the election period starts. But right now, in the middle of the ball game, without any consultation with the city, without any due process, it seems uh, ethically abhorrent, and we will we'll argue legally inappropriate as well, and that's why we're going to go to court. And I think council's going to back that position. Now, bef- before I get to Justin's take on that, I-, I have this one question, and it's to either of you, about what the election period is. Because in the elections for more senior levels of government, it's a lot shorter. The election period is six weeks. So how do we say it's six months for city council? Well, there's a variety of dates. January 1st is when the clerk needs the needs to know what the boundaries are, so that that he or she can set the set all the polling stations, establish the wards, establish uh, where the uh, where the polls are within the wards, hire the 16,000 people for it. Then there's another date, May 1st, which is when you could sign up to be a city councilor candidate, and then the, that period closed uh, around, I think it was Jan- uh, July 25th, the same day that uh, Doug Ford announced uh, that he wanted to make uh, changes. So y- you pick any of those dates, but certainly the last date was July 25th, around then, uh, and that's when he decided to, that he wanted to make the change. But we were well into, maybe, you know, was it the first inning, the second inning, the third inning? It was well into the process that he made the, made the call to change, uh, change the rules. And you can't, that's what we're arguing you can't do. Justin, what's your response to that? Uh, listen, my you know I have uh, a deep uh, amount of respect for my colleague uh, Councillor Mahevic, um, but I'm going to take all of my um, my feelings and put them to the side um, because this direct, directly affects our jobs. So. If I look at it from a legal standpoint, which I have, I was the counselor who took the city to court to begin with about this, I'm going to tell you that Bill 5 is the law of the land as it is today, that irrespective, if even if we were to, to go and challenge the province uh, with a decision today, that court date comes on August the 31st. That judge is going to need time to, to render a decision, and then it's open to appeal. So once the, once the appeal process happens, uh, guess what? The law of the land is still in place, which is Bill 525 Ward. So, so our city clerks are going, as of today, uh, moving forward, planning for 25 wards. They're not, they cannot change uh, course so late in the game. And then there's the argument by some of my colleagues that, well, it's all this uncertainty for the public and and it wasn't fair. Well, by mounting this challenge, aren't we going to create the same uncertainty 
for those that are trying to become candidates in this race by, by continuing to pretend that there is a legal avenue. There isn't. And, and I'll tell you, during amalgamation, I mean, the courts upheld the province's right to do something without um, going to consult the public, and the su- Superior Court upheld that decision. So, uh, you know, I, I like to think we live in a country of laws, and we need to follow them. Joe? Well, there are laws and there are laws, and that's what the, we have courts for. And, uh, you know, I understand Justin has a different position, and, of course, that's uh, one to be uh, respected and understood. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the the law gives us the authority as the city to establish our boundaries. He is not changing boundaries, and he's not changing a, a number of residents per councillor anywhere else in the whole province of Ontario. Uh, but that's the case itself. That's that's the, I'm arguing the case itself. What what I think the essence of the city's city's argument is is that while you may have the authority, and we tested this during the uh, mega city days uh, 20 years ago, while while I would concede the point that you have the authority as a province to do this, we are indeed creatures of the province. You can do this. Uh, after the election is over for 2022, uh, one would hope that you would engage the public and, and talk to folks and make sure that it's a real with hearings and, and that's the people buy in and understand your logic and, and understand that this is not something of vengeance against former colleagues. But if there's merit in it, then put it out to the public. Let's take six months. Let's take a year. We took two years to establish our boundaries. Take that time. Do it thoughtfully. Uh, there may be something like 25 councillors and, and, and two controllers per community council to make it a 33 uh, community uh, number of councillors. Uh, Justin and I have, uh, have talked about the merits of, of that kind of system. But we want to do it thoughtfully. And the whole point of this exercise right now is that you can't do it two, three months before uh, uh, basically an election is happening. People have spent all kinds of money. They've put aside their lives in all kinds of different ways. Um, they, some some uh, donors have donated to people who are now going to be fighting against each other. They've made two uh, different donations. It's a mess. It's a mess to run this election. Uh, it's really throwing a, a cat among the pigeons and saying, you guys uh, sort it all out. And, and why when you can do this in a more rational, thoughtful manner, uh, and that's really what the city's uh, Counselor, plea is. I'm just to, now, to according to the leak of the solicitor's report, here's here's the thing. Uh, basically, they said yes, the city will be able to run an election on the date October 22nd, according to the new boundaries. But in the event that the city actually won to keep the 47, they, they would not be able to run an election on time on those boundaries. Justin, should that be a factor or not? Well, of course it should be a factor. I mean, that's my point. It's creating even more uncertainty, which my colleagues who are in favor of, of bringing forward this challenge are arguing that is the reason why we shouldn't have done this in the first place. Look, everything that my respected colleague, Councillor Mahavik, talks about are emotional arguments. The, the, the courts are not there to uphold people's feelings. They're there to uphold the law. And the law states, as Bill 5 became law from a high order of government, that there will be 25 wards. And, and there is all kinds of precedent in, in the courts that show the province can do as they please with us. Um, and it's, it, any, any challenge that we bring forward is going to be, we're, we're basically going to be asking a judge to make a decision with no precedent. I mean, I just, I see that as a Hail Mary pass. Well, it, it might well be that there, there are some people who say, hey, this is all just 
political theater, a show of who is standing up for Toronto more. And, uh, you know, John Tory wants to be seen to be tough because Jennifer Kiesmet says he's not tough. Uh, you know, how much of this is, is basically a Hail Mary pass to, to look like you're doing something Tough. Well, look, you know, Jennifer Kiesman says that the mayor's not fighting hard enough. Well, instead of these taglines, come up, with, tell us what the solution is. Tell us what a mayor in, in this position should be doing. Because all I've heard so far from Keysmat is is retail politics with no substance. The the other thing uh, I want to throw this out to to Joe Mahevic that I just uh, saw from Council, which I thought was a little bizarre, was Councillor Joe Cressy standing up and saying, "I am running in one of the forty seven wards. I'm not running in one of the twenty five. And I'm thinking, well, what does that mean? If if this challenge fails, does that mean he's not running? <laughs> I mean. Y- Presumably, both of you will run in whatever boundaries are upheld by the court, right, Joe? No, absolutely. The, the court is going to be the final arbitrator of uh, of which system is going to be uh, put in place, and whether uh, our city is going to probably city council will probably vote. I think the votes are there for uh, to for an appeal for an injunction, so that the decision of the province is stayed until after October twenty second. That's uh, frankly the uh, best outcome as I see it, and I you know obviously Justin feels uh, feels uh, differently uh, from from that uh, that court hearing is going to happen on August 31st. Well, it's not an injunction. They're actually hearing the merits of the case. Uh, sure, okay, yes, yes. But the, the to set aside the law, that, which is what I, I meant it in the lay form of the word, uh, will be heard, that will be heard on August 31st. And then either that day or a day or two later, uh, we will get a decision from the courts and they will be the rules of the next election. And then uh, Joe Mahevic, Justin DiCiano, Joe Cressy will be able to make a decision uh, based on whatever boundaries are determined by, by the courts. Okay, guys, hang on. I want to take a couple of calls from people who are affected by this. Uh, we go to Jerry in Toronto. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Libby. Go ahead. You're on the air. Okay, uh, uh, what I see, and I try to think of myself as being insightful, is I see the undermining of democracy happening right before my eyes. When both mayors or both people running for mayors hate the uh, prime minister or the premier, uh, there's no. If you want a referendum, somebody run for mayor saying I agree with what's happening. Because if you got a choice for mayor and both of them are fighting to to have more counselors, then you don't have a choice at all, do we? We, we have to fight vote for somebody who's going to fight the government. And the government is democracy. And I'm just, by the words of Joe here, appalled. I'm appalled at Joe and the, the lawyers all standing up, waiting for those checks to come in and try and change the way things are. That's all I have to say, Olivia. Okay. You, you, you uh, obviously like the cutting to council. We've got... Uh... This, this is democracy, right? This is, we are living in a democracy. And now we have those that would undermine democracy through courts. And they're on your show right now. Okay. Anyway, talk to you later. Okay, bye. Okay, we've got uh, Joyce in Scarborough. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Libby. Okay, now, who's paying for all this legal stuff? And uh, I I want the 25 um, uh, counselors. Uh, where were they uh, talking about the former premier when she uh, went right, left, and center and did deals against um, you know, uh, for whose benefit, we don't know. But at the moment, guess what? Who's paying for all this? Is it tax? 
are, are they dipping into their own pockets, or is it taxpayers' money again? Well, of course it's taxpayers' money. I don't know how much extra legal there is. The city solicitor presumably is on salary and does whatever uh, they're asked to do. Well, to me, they're a bunch of whiners because in the private... Well, I, I was at Oise. I got cut. I didn't whine. I couldn't do anything about it. Guess what? You had a good run. Suck it up. Okay, Joyce, thanks for that. That's a little uh, little harsh. I, I don't think there's a, you know, from the people we've heard with so far, uh, not a lot of love for city council. What, what, what do you say to people who, who say things like that? Well, what, what I say is, well, be careful what you wish for. So, you know, those who know the inner workings of city council know that we work uh, very long hours, and, you know, I'm not crying for those long hours. And uh, we're trying to imagine, well, if we doubled the size, practically doubled the size of our wards, how are we going to have to manage it? Doug Ford is uh, claiming that this is going to save us all this money. Well, you know, the work has to be done. If my workload doubles, then I can bet you that the council will uh, ask for an increase of uh, city staff. In Los Angeles, where there are fewer city councillors, guess what? They have staff of 19 people each. 19 people well, each. I, I, There's I, no savings to be had. So, uh, you know, do you want transparent? Do you want me to come to the door and try to work out a fence issue or development application? Or do you want one of our, one of our uh, political staff to do it? I think that's the question that people should ask. Well, and it's very interesting, uh, Justin, that, uh, you know, that kind of retail service, service politics, is, is what the Fords are famous for. So, you know, once you double the size, uh, uh, I think Councillor Mahevic is right. You're going to need to have more staff if you well, want to serve the people. Yeah, of course you do. But, uh, you know, I, I would counter uh, Joe's thoughts that you don't need to be at every fence dispute. Do you need to be at the development meetings? Absolutely. Do you need to be at, at, the, at, the, at, at all the events, the, the big events that, uh, that are, are, are happening within this ward? Absolutely. You're going to do that just like the members of provincial parliament do. You're going to be there just like the members of uh, federal parliament do. Uh, but with the, the nitty-gritty, uh, there's no reason why um, you can't have your staff do it. And in fact, most uh, experts in academia will tell you this. The more politicians you have in a government, uh, nonpartisan like this, the more, uh, the less power that the actual voter has, and give, because it gives more power to the bureaucracy. If if Torontonians care about the power in a democracy, they they, they want less politicians. They don't want more politicians. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that with you. And the other thing is, uh, part of this discussion, and part of the discussion of what powers the city should have is whether we need a strong mayor system, and. Frankly, I think it's easier for the mayor to wield some power with 25 as opposed to 47. Joe, would you agree with that? Um, it is. It is. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I think it really depends not so much on the number of councillors on a strong mayor system. It depends on the strength of the mayor. And they do have a bully pulpit. I am not one to uh, support a strong mayor system legislatively, like the way they have in the United States, where the mayor presents a budget and you need a 60 or 65 percent overrule, two-thirds overrule, if council wants to go in a different direction. I think, uh, you know, be, beware of what you wish for. Everyone wants to have a strong mayor system as long as they can select their mayor to be the person. But uh, if you like to David Miller, then you know what? 
then you're going to argue for a strong mayor system if he's the mayor. If you wanted Doug Rob Ford to be a strong mayor, then you know you're going to be supportive of a strong mayor system. But as long as it's Rob Ford, um, but you know what we have at City Council is pretty good right now. There's a balance of power between council and the mayor. You have to talk things through, and that really is what democracy is about. Sometimes people don't like the clatter and the and the debate back and forth, and and some of the some of the ways in which people debate. But at the end of the day. That's what democracy looks like. Democracy is a little bit messy. It is people talking, and then the truth is supposed to come from that process of that dialogue between inner suburbs and outer suburbs and left, right, center, and then you come up with that decision, that truth that includes us all. And I think what we need to do is strengthen those systems that allow that dialogue and that conversation as Torontonians to, to, to happen. A strong mayor system that's legalized through giving the mayor additional powers, I don't think does it. Well, the other thing is, I mean, yes, it's democracy, but it also has a lot of people getting up because they want to be in the limelight. I mean, this is not really relevant, but but personally, when I look at some of those marathon city council meetings, I thank goodness that I am past the stage of life where I have to be sitting there and watching it because it's excruciating. Um, it, yeah, Doug it Ford, excruciating. Doug Ford <laughs> says that things would get done a lot uh, a lot more efficiently with fewer councillors. I mean, is is Justin? Yeah, you, listen. If you could save one day out of each council session every year. That's 80 hours more in the community talking to, to, to the constituents about their fence issues and all that kind of stuff. It's, I get so behind when I'm forced to sit in that council meeting day in, day out, when I've got things to do and people to get back to and in my community. If I, if I may, another thing is I know of people who want to make a deputation or say something at council who take a day off work and they can't get to them. Because there are so many councillors talking. Well, they don't have the right to speak at council meetings. They can speak at committee meetings. Committee and, meetings. And yeah. people do all, all the time speak at it. You know, efficiency is one value that I think we need to talk about. And uh, could we be more efficient? Yeah, perhaps we could be more efficient. And, you know, there are ways you can adjust the rules to make it more efficient, like time allocation for debates. But uh, be careful there. Like, do you want if, to be so efficient? The best way to be efficient is just have one person rule the city and that's it. And we, we would call that autocracy. Democracy is not, has to weigh efficiency with transparency and conversation and dialogue. And, you know, it's hard. And let's pretend you're in a big family and you have to make a decision. And there's a, you know, you're around the table and you're having supper and you want everyone heard. And you, it's a really important decision for the family. Um, you want you want to talk it through. And so these kinds of questions about, you know, the what Toronto is going to look like in 10 years and 20 years, you, you want that conversation to be healthy and dynamic and you want all the points of view brought to the table. But that's what democracy is about as well, not just efficiency. Listen, I agree with Joe 100%, but you can do all that um, with 25 people at the table. I mean, you, there isn't a corporation in the world that has a board of directors uh, that has 44 people, never mind trying to move to 47. But the, the debates just become non-functional. Uh, Libby, I, I, I tell you, if you wanted to come here at any council day <laughs> no, and thanks. watch the amount of councillors <laughs> just walking around as their peers are speaking into the sky, and it's hours and hours and hours and hours, and at the end, uh, on a lot of these decisions, 
it's almost unanimous. And you think, what did we just spend six hours debating when everybody's on the same page? It is, it's mind-numbing. Okay, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for taking my call. Let me, I'll be quick. I, I think the issue before us here is not the number of counselors, and both uh, gentlemen have spoken to that fact, uh, although one is, is pushing the 25. What's really at issue here, and what the city ought to be challenging, is the process and the timing by which this has unfolded. And quite frankly, the rationale that's been used based on federal provincial writings, you would end up with several councils in Ontario as a council of one. And by definition, that's not a council. And I'll leave it at that. Okay, well, that's interesting, too. This is the only change that uh, the province has put into effect. And right, and if you did the same thing all across the province, yes, you would have councils of, of one. That's an interesting point, I think. And, and also historically, it is interesting to note uh, when we had the first debate on this uh, a few weeks ago and uh, people asked the clerk and the city solicitor, do you know of any other case in Canadian history, Ontario history, where a provincial government has come into an election in, the, in midstream and changed the rules? And there is not. This is the first time in the history of our country where the, the process has been violated by, inter, by having a, a senior order of government interfere in a local election. Uh, I, I would say, Libby, this. Uh, the argument that you know, some, some cities would have to have one counselor. You've you you got to compare apples and apples. You can't compare apples and oranges. If you look at the city of London, which is a pretty decent-sized city in Ontario, most people would recognize with London, Ontario. You've got, uh, I believe it's 11, 12 counselors in London, Ontario. They all share the same secretary. Do you understand? So, so you can't compare... <laughs> One the, busy secretary, I think. <laughs> well, but th- this is my point, right? They don't have their own offices. They don't have their own staff. So it's a totally different level of governance on different municipalities. To, to compare Toronto to other municipalities, you mean, how many cities in Ontario have higher-order transit, like subways? How many cities... I mean, we're the sixth Might largest Might not have government. that for long if you're listening to Doug Ford. Well, listen, uh, we're the sixth largest government in Canada after uh, the federal government and four provinces. So I don't think it's fair to compare us to other municipalities uh, in Ontario. Okay, let's hear from Margaret in Thornhill. Hi, Margaret. Oh, hi. Good morning, Libby. How was your holiday? Oh, great. Thank you. (laughs) That's good. I'm glad you went. You need a holiday. You work very hard. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, Go ahead. You're on the air. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, regarding uh, the shrinking of council uh, by Ford, I think it's a very good idea because I don't think they work too many days. This way they can shrink it and we can save all that money and put it onto hospitals or something else. And I think Doug Ford is doing the right thing. And perhaps these people work a little harder and get things done without rattling away. And it would be far, far better for the province to save all the pennies, nickels, and dimes. You know what I mean? Okay, Margaret, thanks for that. Joe, can I, yeah, can I make uh, a comment on that, uh, I, Libby? Because yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that, that, you know, Joe and I are, are different on this issue, and I appreciate your caller's point of view. But I can tell you it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum my colleagues are on, and I support reducing 25. They're all working uh, day and night, every single one of them. Okay? Right, and, and uh, the, if the we reduce... The know that. Yeah, and if we reduce 
counselors, probably you'll need more staff if uh, people well, want their listen, stuff looked work. after. We're, we're working 80 hours a week, which is double of what you know normal jobs entail. We're still going to work 80 hours a week because we need our sleep and we need our families. We're just going to be looking at things differently and 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 and, and communicating with constituents differently. But but you're, you, it's not, I don't think it's possible to work more than 80 or 90 hours a week. That and, and counselors already do that. I I I agree fully and. Uh, um, thanks very much, Justin. I know you have to go as does Councillor Mehevic. Uh, what would you like to leave us with for the last few seconds? Well, um, I would say that, you know, I would not say that this is democracy at stake, but I, I would say that it is a bit of a kick in the head and it, it sours municipal provincial relationships just as the new government is coming into power. Uh, is this kind of decision going to uh, then f- see other kinds of decisions where they, without uh, consultation, without a good healthy relationship, we have a mature order of government here at City Hall. We can't have the province coming in and telling us how to run the show. We can't have a premier who didn't win as mayor try to be the mayor from Queen's Park. Uh, we, we need a better relationship with the province, and this is what a bad way to start the, this provincial government's uh, uh, rule of the province. Okay. Thank you very much to both of you. I appreciate your perspectives and also the respect that you have for each other's and your positions. And, you know, we're going to be talking about this a lot because people really care about this. And we're going to have another perspective on the issue when we come back from a break. So in the meantime, thank you so much, Justin DiCiano and Joe Mehevic. Thank you, Libby. Thank you, Justin. Okay. And uh, we're taking a quick break. We'll be back with more on the move to cut Toronto City Council when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are continuing our discussion of the special meeting underway at City Council over whether to mount a court challenge against the province's move to reduce Toronto City Council from 47 to 25. Looks like that is what they are going to do right now. Uh, let's bring in Tim Abray from Queen's University Department of Political Studies. And uh, he has a big expertise in political systems. Hi, Tim. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing, Libby? Fine. So what do you make of the discussion underway and the whole move to uh, mount a court challenge? Is it going to amount to anything or is it, you know, a political move to make them look like they're doing something? Well, I think it can be both at the same time. And I think in this case, it definitely is. Um, I think you heard from the two councillors you were talking to, the diverse opinions about this thing. Uh, I think the, the point that it's unprecedented is really important. It's not unprecedented for uh, senior levels of government to intervene in municipal affairs or in the affairs of bodies that they've created, things like hospital boards, those sorts of things. But uh, this kind of an intervention where you change the dynamics, the entire dynamics of an election, the entire dynamics of representation this close to an election date uh, is something that's pretty much unheard of. So I think that uh, uh, just about any thought about this uh, is going to be tough to um, is going to be tough to uphold just simply because th- th- there are no examples uh, to turn to uh, on either side yeah no exactly I mean 
I think that that's that's really the issue. There are very few examples of of governments taking uh, junior levels of government taking the senior levels of government to court over something like this. Okay, uh, so uh, in your opinion, does the province have the legal right to do it? Yeah, I think I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who would say that they don't have the legal right to do it. Uh, but there's a couple of things going on here. There's the explicit rule of law. You know, the fact is that the provinces uh, have complete control over the municipalities. Municipalities are creatures of the provincial government. They don't have their own existence under the Constitution. They're created by provinces, and they can be changed and amalgamated and adjusted by provinces. But there's also something else under democratic systems uh, that really does need to be taken into consideration, and that's convention. Is this the way we normally do things in a democratic system? And I think that that is a very much an open question in this case, uh, simply because there are no precedents for it. Um, people are going to be arguing what the expectations of democracy are and whether or not this case fits those expectations. Mm-hmm. And there, there's also the practical question, and how do you think that will play into the judge's decision. Because according to the city's own solicitor, at this point, yes, the city can mount an election on October 22nd with the new boundaries, but should a court challenge be upheld, uh, they're not going to be ready for the 47. Well, yeah, that's exactly exactly it. It's a bit of a disaster either way. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a... Uh, take your poison pill. It's it's a bit of a problem in that sense because I mean even if they do proceed under the new uh, the new process, you've heard it's created all kinds of chaos in a lot of uh, the local races. People don't know what boundaries uh, necessarily they're going to be running for. Uh, as a couple of the, as one of your councillors pointed out, you've got people who um, have backed two candidates who are now competing against one another. It it throws the whole grassroots support system of local politics into disarray, whichever route you take. And I think that's a really important point that needs to be emphasized. I mean, municipal politics is all about the issues that live closest to people. You know, we're talking about uh, their schools, we're talking about uh, their day-to-day services, we're talking about road repair, we're talking about, you know, the usual garbage and raccoons issues. Those things are really important to people on a day-to-day basis. We're talking about grassroots uh, community services, you know, recreation for kids, recreation for seniors, support services for those uh, for disadvantaged people in committees in communities. So I think to to ask any government at that level to make such a major adjustment this close to an election is is just guaranteed to put the system into a bit of chaos. Okay, but uh, having said that, do you think that will play into a judge's decision? I think so, because, I mean, one of the challenges with these things is that governments are expected to serve people. The whole point of having governments is to spread out political power, right? I mean, one of your councillors made the point somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but also somewhat seriously, that the most efficient council would be a one-person council, but that wouldn't be democracy. And one of the expectations of democracy is that decisions are debated, that evidence is presented, that uh, duly elected representatives have time to discuss the issues, debate the issues, and come to uh, sensible decisions and vote on them. Uh, And I think that when you throw something this large into the works, it makes it awfully difficult to live up to that expectation. 
Okay, so but- I think that, you know, judges are going to have to look at that sort of thing to decide what is going to serve the expectations of, of a functioning democracy best. Okay, let's take a call from William in Toronto. Hi, William. Hello, Liam. Um, I, I would still uh, like to ask your guests a few, a few things. First, if, if the council uh, designates itself as a two-tier council, which they can do legally, then that puts uh, Ontario and Doug Ford out of the picture, and they can't say nothing about it. Uh, uh, that, that's my understanding from the reading and research I have done. Um, also, uh, this is too close to the election. He's caused, Mr. Ford is causing a lot of havoc. This is not the time uh, uh, to do uh, this thing. And uh, whatever the court says means nothing to me, because I am the boss. Uh, people, the government for the people, by the people. We elect public servants to serve the people. I would like to keep the court out of it. And if someone does something that I don't like, I'm not going to vote for them next time. And they're out of the picture. Okay, I'm. Uh, I'm so I, I'd like to... uh, some comments on uh, what I said, especially about the two-tier council. And uh, okay, uh, I I don't think you can just declare yourself, uh, Tim. No, that's that's true. Uh, there there are processes involved. I think the thing that people need to keep most in mind is that municipalities don't have any existence in their own right under the Constitution, that they are created by provinces. And as such, that puts them in a bit of a vulnerable position um, in, in this sort of a situation because the province is within its legal rights to reformulate municipal councils as it sees fit. Um, I think what's really interesting about what your caller is saying, though, is that there is always that political test. You know, they're going to have to take what they have done back to the electorate and see what they think of the decisions that they've made. And I think that in the past, that is precisely what has kept provincial governments from making this sort of a move. And I think that we're going to see uh, a very vivid example, uh, potentially, of how uh, electors respond when uh, a government moves quickly to do something that may or may not be popular. So I, I think we'll find out pretty quickly whether or not this is a popular move or not. Okay, let's hear from Harry in Peterborough. Hello, Harry. Yes, uh, good afternoon. Uh, at the risk of it having already been brought up, I'm curious as to why, if this is such a great idea, why did Doug and Rob, when his brother was the mayor, not do it then? Well, it's the province that has to do it. There was a liberal government in power then, and it was never even on the table. I just don't remember them coming up with this great idea, ever recommending it. You got it. I don't remember it either. Yeah, no. And in fact, the last time this was proposed, it was back in the mid uh, the mid nineties, about nineteen ninety six. You could check the date exactly, but it was under the Mike Harris government. Uh, there was a suggestion of moving Toronto to the same boundaries as the uh, provincial and federal boundaries uh, at the time, which would have reduced Toronto to twenty two councillors. And the Harris government chose not to go forward on that. They chose to stick to uh, two councillors per. Uh, per federal provincial ward at that time, which is how we, we ended up with the 44 we've got now. So I, I think that, you know, it's not that this idea hasn't been floated before, but no government has uh, chosen to go through with it. Okay, uh, that is all the time we have for this segment. I'm sure this is something we are going to be following. Tim Abrey, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.